Welcome everyone to Defend American Beauty Episode 2, Solving Complex Political Issues with Common Sense, Basic Reasoning, and the Ability to Research. So, a few things I want to talk about. Um, one of them is a different aspect of all of these uh, statues being taken down, the, the racial tensions in America. So I think it's a, it's a good topic. And uh, a lot of these statues, they're, they're federal property. And whether you ideologically support them or not, a lot of these people are destroying federal property. And that is actually a serious, that's a serious problem because it's fine if you want to take down Confederate statues. I think there's a very good argument for that. Imagine in Germany, statues of Hitler. Uh, that would be uh, offensive to say the least. These Confederate statues were put up especially in the 1920s and 30s and 40s, and especially around the civil rights era, as a way to put up a big middle finger to minorities in America. So I think there's a very strong argument for getting these removed. The issue is that these are these are federal property, and they're not just vandalizing property. They're vandalizing federal property. They're not following the rule of law. This is a serious attack to the foundation of a civilized society. And I understand why people are upset and why people are, are rioting due to the recent instances of police brutality. But these statues are something completely different. They've happen, happened before these recent riots. And they've continued. And something that happened was, this was way back in Charlottesville. Trump said, who's next? George Washington. And he was completely right. They're getting rid of statues of George Washington for being a slave owner. And it's not like anyone defends slavery in America today. That's pretty silly. Well, maybe the maybe the politicians on both sides who support illegal immigration and prison slavery, but that's a that's a different story. No run of the mill citizens in America are making any serious arguments for slavery because it's absurd. And to sandbag these statues and destroy them over racism, these people who founded the nation were racist. Trump was completely right. It's a war on culture. It's a war on history. It's rewriting history. These are people who founded the nation, and they were key to creating it as it stands today. And you can recognize that without agreeing that treating people property is a good thing. What method should they use without attacking foundations of society? They should vote. This is something that you can do anywhere. Any official responsible for these sorts of things can be voted out of office. Everyone's kind of ignoring that. Sheriffs especially are vulnerable to being voted out because they are a direct election for the county. Police stations are ran by the city, and the mayor equally can be voted out just as quickly I don't know what the specifics are across the nation, 
but there are often ways to remove people from office in an emergency or if you're unsatisfied with their performance. So it's not like these things are impossible. If people were mad at city police and said, we are going to immediately vote you out to the next election and we're going to tarnish your career, those mayors are very quickly going to fire the police chief, fire any officers involved, and hire someone that the people might want. If the people demand some, uh, someone in particular and they tell the mayor, we're going to get rid of you unless you put this guy in, they're probably going to listen. For example, this most recent shooting, the man who fired a, who was sleeping in a drive through after being drunk, fought back, shot a taser at a cop. The reason the, so the cop, the suspect was fighting with, was not the guy who shot the suspect. It was his partner that shot the suspect. And he's facing the death penalty because the DA in that area is facing re-election. He has rumors of stealing money from charity, which is never a good thing. And the charges and press conference were unauthorized, according to his supervisory agency. And in his press conference, he told many lies about the situation. We know what happened because it's on video, but the DA told tons of lies. And it was all over election. So we know that election is a key concern for these officials, and that's what needs to happen. Don't burn down small businesses. If they were destroying city property, that would make sense. You have 600 people outside of a police station full of maybe 80 officers tops, and they burned down the AutoZone across the street. And they didn't destroy any city buildings. I can't advocate for violence. I was just saying we need rule of law. But it delegitimizes their movement when they attack people completely uninvolved, whether it's corporate entities like Target and AutoZone or small businesses, which tons of businesses are are closing up shop permanently due to COVID plus the riots. It makes the movement look bad. And by being extreme, they make reasonable people lean towards the police's side. Even though they're not justified, it makes reasonable people lean towards the police. The media is also heavily involved in this, like they always are, lying. They compare actual police brutality to justified police shootings. A case a few years ago, the media treated someone pulling a gun and shooting at the officer and getting shot. They acted like it was police brutality. So they really, they really lie. Uh, researching this led me to look back into the Charlottesville riots and the James Fields case. I felt it was important to go over a lot of the facts of this because there's a, the media narrative here is just a complete lie. NPR recently released an article titled Vehicle Attacks Rise as Extremists Target Protesters. That's quite a narrative they're painting. 
whereas the last two recent vehicle quote-unquote attacks were self-defense. The one before the most recent one, a guy takes a, the wrong turn down a street and rioters and protesters surround his car. One guy reaches in through the window and starts trying to carjack him. So he pulls the gun, fires one shot, shoots the guy, and then immediately puts his gun away, runs off, and turns himself into police. And this is described as a attack on protesters when someone was trying to carjack him. Fired one shot, didn't mass shoot into the crowd of people, shot one guy who was trying to carjack him. And immediately turned himself in. And that is quoted as an attack on protesters by far-right extremists. A more recent one, that one that just happened within the past few days, lady was driving, protesters blocked the road. She told them to get out of the way and was arguing with them. Someone pulls a gun on her. She floors it out of there, hitting someone. Then a block away, another protester stops her, pulls a gun on her, floors it home. And this is described as a vehicle attack. Someone pulling a gun on her for driving down the road. And she hits someone flooring it so she doesn't die. And that's considered an attack. So, James Fields, a avowed neo-Nazi. His professors, his friends, they all said he loved Hitler. I'm not here to defend his political views. I'm actually kind of angry I'm having to sit here and defend him from the media. He's the person I would least likely want to defend. For being such a horrible person holding such horrible views. So, James Field's legal defense was he felt he was in danger. And his claim was Dwayne Dixon was brandishing an AR-15 at him. Dwayne Dixon is a left-wing Antifa professor that works at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So naturally, Dixon was charged for bringing a rifle to a protest. Fields was convicted and Dixon's charges were dropped. So, sounds pretty clear. Sounds like Fields' defense was bullshit and Dixon was being framed for something, right? That's what you would think when you hear how the case ended. Here's the issue. Dixon admitted in an article interview a video interview, and on video to his class, he not only brought an AR-15, but brandished it at James Fields. Yes. So, Fields was convicted because his defense was not worthy, and Dixon's charges were dropped. Despite Dixon admitting in three separate places, he did exactly what Fields claimed. Makes me wonder if there's any sort of bias in the police station or any sort of political bias so here's a uh, fbi director christopher a ray said the attack met the attack met the definition of domestic terrorism so we have a antifa protester rioter uh actual terrorist pointing a rifle at someone driving a car and james field floors it to get away that is considered domestic terrorism, according to Christopher Ray. Quote, you can be sure we will charge and advance the investigation towards the most serious charges that can be brought because this is unequivocally 
an unacceptable evil attack, end quote, Jeff Sessions. Such an interesting framing of the situation. Uh, this is from Wikipedia. Quote, On December 11th, the jury recommended life in prison for the killing of Heather Hare, along with an additional 419 years for the other crimes committed, which break down to 70 years for each of five malicious wounding charges, 20 for each of the three malicious wounding charges, and nine years for one charge of leaving the scene of an accident. End quote. These are the... So I believe those were the state charges... The federal charges were one count of a hate crime act resulting in the death of Heather Hare, 28 counts of hate crime acts causing bodily injury and involving an attempt to kill, and one count of racially motivated violent interference with a federally protected activity. So, he obviously injured a lot of people, but the issue is that when someone points an assault rifle at you you are justified in driving away you're not justified in hurting people and i do think he should be charged for hurting people but the mere act of hurting people and holding political views is not hating them for their skin color because i guarantee you most of those people are white people so it's kind of impossible to commit a hate crime against people of the same race as you it's also not malicious. I don't think hitting someone with your car and injuring them deserves 70 years. I think it's pretty bad, not 70 years. Many people molest children and get less than 10 all the time. I don't think you should get 9 years for leaving the scene of an accident. This is clearly a case of political throwing the book at him. Because the media needed someone to sandbag. And the media did. They painted this as if neo-Nazi lynches woman at political rally. That's how they framed it. When it isn't further from the truth. We have someone who had an assault rifle brandished at them. The per we know this because the person admitted it. He tries to run away. Hits a bunch of people. One person dies because of it. And then the whole media jumps on him and... Ruins his life over something that I think should be punished, but is not what the media is saying it is. She was not lynched by white supremacists. And people get manic over me or anyone trying to, quote, justify her death. I'm not justifying her death. I'm painting a nuanced picture of what happened. In modern times, it's impossible to have any sort of nuanced views of any sort of middle ground it's you know she was a neo he was a neo-nazi and he lynched this woman and that was the end of the story it's like no there's there's a little more nuance in the situation and then this is this is the the phrase trump or not trump biden launched his presidential campaign on he announced it he mentioned how trump said there's good people on both sides and how Trump is saying neo-Nazis are good people by, by basically saying good on both sides. The issue... Oh, and it's funny because this actual speech, he points out George Washington was a slave owner. Is he next? And Trump was right about that. Trump says they are rewriting culture, rewriting history. 
quote, I am not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. You have many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists. The press has treated them unfairly, end quote. That's a quote from Trump in the speech where that is taken out of context. Twice in that speech, he condemns neo-Nazis and white nationalists, also calling them un-American. Multiple times throughout his presidential campaign, and in the 2000s, and in the 90s, he has disavowed any sort of racially motivated political ideology. And yet, to this day, the media says he supports white nationalism, he supports racism, he hasn't disavowed these people. He's done it over 15 times. Again, this is just more proof of their extreme lies. All right, we're going to take a break. I will see you back in a few minutes. Some of you don't know that my goal is to spread a reasonable political viewpoint and debunk the dishonest pundits in the media. I'm trying to serve as an informative, fact-based resource to fight against the lying mass media. This mass media is owned by political parties on both sides who cater to their own people. I want to unite both sides with truth and solutions we can both agree on. If you enjoy this content, support it for free by subscribing to my mailing list. No spam, just new episodes. You can also help by sharing on social media with people who agree or disagree. It really helps spread the message of truth and good faith debate on the issues that affect us today. That really is the goal of this show, to spread political ideas with anyone who is willing to listen. If you would like to make a financial contribution, I do accept Bitcoin. This goes directly towards studio costs like hardware, software, equipment, and utilities. Alright everyone, we are back. So I had one last thing to talk about. This was internet censorship. It goes all the way from the bottom to the top of the internet, and I think you would be surprised how deep this actually goes. And then I also wanted to talk about the recent executive order from Trump and what this means for a lot of these companies that are doing censorship, at least some of the more public-facing ones that you hear of on a day-to-day basis. So conservative censorship on the internet is massive. It's crazy. If you Google search this, nothing's going to come up because Google is one of the major companies doing this. For example, PragerU on YouTube. They do very milk toast, soft, uh, conservative videos on YouTube. And tons of their videos are marked as adult content. Not adult, but for mature audiences only which requires an account to view. So if you send a link to a friend and they don't have a YouTube account, they can't watch it. They have to go through the process of making a Google account, making it so Google slash YouTube can track them just to watch a YouTube video. 
Facebook blocks and bans comments relating to certain subjects with the elites or any sort of offensive political views, even if the if you're not being offensive on purpose. It also blocks political speech. For example, recently, the Federalist and Zero Hedge were threatened with basically being shut down by Google. Google was going to ban them from AdSense, which is how companies actually make a lot of their money because there are very few ad providers outside of Google. Google AdSense is over, I believe it's something like 97% of ads served on the internet are by Google, and it's because their analytics tools are so advanced. There is nothing else to make as much money on the internet as Google AdSense. It is a monopoly, and the government hasn't stepped in. I wonder why, but they haven't for some reason. So, the Federalist and Zero Hedge, Federalist is right-wing, Zero Hedge is actually a liberal publication, but they have some very good articles. They go very deep on subjects, they go very deep into researching publicly released documents, and that sort of thing. So they make extremely good content. For example, uh, they had an article on Laura Silsby, the vice president of the Amber Alert system. Looks like I got a notification. Uh, they had a article on Laura Silsby, VP of the Amber Alert system, uh, trying to take children out of Haiti without proper documentation. Haitian government charged her with kidnapping, and Bill Clinton stepped in and got them uh, got the charges dropped. Quite an interesting story. Facebook will literally block you from posting a link to the article or even saying her name in a lot of situations. On top of this, if you want to post a link, here's another good example. I believe Washington Post had an article on this. Most people's mind are blown by this information, but California's minimum marriage age is zero. Children can and do get forced into marriage every year by the hundreds in California. All it requires is a judge's signature, which is standard, and the signature of the parents, not the child's signature. So often, children are married to adults that are 10 years older than them. And this happens by the hundreds every year. In 2017, a bill was introduced to raise the minimum age to 18. And whether it's 18 or 16, I don't really know. I honestly, a lot of countries, the drinking age is lower. A lot of things are lower. I think 16 is a good age to give young adults the privileges of being adult in general i think that's a fair age because right now you have tons of teenagers that are sexting and then they get hit with sex offender charges for distributing child pornography which is insane but um i'm getting into the bushes so the federalist and zero hedge they were threatened, and I think Zero Hedge actually got hit with this, banned from Google AdSense. And they must have been posting some horrendous neo-Nazi rhetoric and advocating for a helter-skelter and showing you how to make pipe bombs to kill minorities, right? That's, that's what these publications must have been doing, right? No. It is because they had comment sections. 
Yes. The Federalist and Zero Hedge had comment sections. That's why Google is going to remove them from AdSense. And if you've never been to the Federalist, they're actually very good. They base a lot of their articles and stuff off of released and declassified and unclassified information, and they fill out FOIA requests. They're actually very good. Let me see who owns it real quick. Forget his name. Ben Dom Domench. Yeah, Ben Domench. It's it's a great publication. Very uh. Very by the facts. Uh, one of the things they were recently involved in was. Uh, it was probably over a year or two ago. Democrats wanted to keep some sort of document classified because they said it would harm the nation if it was released publicly. It had sensitive information. And that's what the media, of course, said. And then Congressman uh, of Tulare County, Devin Nunes, along with the Federalist, I believe it was the Federalist, they said, no, it doesn't. Filled a FOIA request. Release it. Trump ended up releasing it because the president has the power to declassify any information. And then they were revealed as liars. There was nothing harming or contributing to the harm of the country. It was purely political clout that would have harmed the Democrat Party. There's their lies being exposed. So I believe one of them between Federalist and Zero Hedge, they did remove comment sections and they were allowed the other actually got banned from google adsense which is going to remove a significant amount significant amount of their income cloudfare has removed multiple websites for ideological disagreements so the federalist and zero hedge that is actually google refusing to do business with a specific website Cloudfare is a Internet of Things company that most people never hear about on their day-to-day -day business unless a website's having issues, which is rare. Cloudfare is a distribution network for websites. So if I want to host a website, I go to Cloudfare or a hosting provider that works with Cloudfare, and Cloudfare hosts servers across the nation, across the world. So when someone in France wants to view my website, they don't have to go all the way to America because that's very slow. They just go to the, the European Cloudfare host of my website. If someone's in New York, they don't have to go all the way to the Nevada server. They go to the New York server. So they speed up websites. They ensure better delivery. It's just distributed website hosting. And they have banned websites for ideological disagreements. And it's hilarious because you look at the comments and everyone's roasting them for being hypocrites. So that's an infrastructure-level censorship. We have high-level income censorship. We have a low-level infrastructure censorship. More recently, vdare.com. Never heard of them. Wikipedia claims they're alt-right neo-Nazis, which I find hard to believe because they call everyone that nowadays. And they're going to have their domain name taken away by their domain registrar. They don't host anything legal. They are not hosting something on another platform like Facebook or Twitter. 
They are on their own website using infrastructure level services and they're going to lose their domain name over it. Over posting political content. I don't care how extreme this is. It could be mo the most crazy, insane, flat earth, neo-Nazi bullshit in the world. And I don't care because it's not illegal content. And people are free to read what is on the internet and make up their own minds. If someone wants to comment on my website, you're an idiot for thinking the earth is round and here's why. I probably wouldn't read it. <laughs> but... They're free to post on their own website whatever they want as long as it isn't illegal, which is very few things. And people are allowed to make fun of them for it and debate them. Because debate is what shows people for being idiots. When you start censoring, it shows you, hey, these people might be onto something. Because sunlight is the best disinfectant. Exposing things for what they are is the best way to expose it for lies. So, Cloudfare and BDare, these aren't arguments of private platforms, private rules. You don't get free speech on Facebook because they aren't private platforms. These are public infrastructure level hosts. This is the open internet being censored for ideological views. That has extreme implications on the internet in general. It is no longer going, going to be the free sharing of information. It's going to be the, sh the free sharing of information we approve of. So in response, Trump actually did something extremely amazing. People have complained about for over a decade. I don't know if it was a decade. The Communications Decency Act, Section 230, CDA 230. This has a profound impact on the internet as we see it today. And the media swept this executive order under the rug. Someone I knew told me, Trump is trying to shut down Facebook. That's what the article said. No, he isn't. So to quote CDA 230, C, section C, subsection 2, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of, and then subsection A, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, levitious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. So that's basically saying... A computer service provider shall not be held liable if they take good faith to restrict access that the provider or user of that service considers obscene, lewd, filthy, violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not it's constitutionally protected. So this was originally published in the 90s, I believe the late 90s to stop every single website on the entire internet from becoming porn. That's what it was published for. That is literally why it was passed into law. It was so I can't go on Facebook and post whatever hardcore pornography or harass people or show people's 
heads getting chopped off by the cartels. I can't post that on Facebook, and then when they delete my content, I can sue them. It's made to protect social media companies and websites from not having to host that very specific slice of content that is relegated to specific websites, and that is basically just to keep it away from children, which is good. And the wording of the law is pretty pretty clear, but the key word, the key phrase, is otherwise objectionable, whether or not constitutionally protected. Because otherwise objectionable is such a broad statement, it can be applied to anything. And companies are using this to censor political speech, whether it's infrastructure cloudfare, infrastructure domain registrars, whether it's Google disallowing ads on websites, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Reddit banning people for political speech that is non-offensive. So what, what's the importance of this? I mean, they're being protected from being sued. Well, why can I sue other websites? And this gets into the difference of a publisher and a platform. So a publisher is someone like the New York Times. They don't host social media. They may have comments, but they make articles and they publish those articles. A platform is something like Reddit or Facebook. These websites are platforms for users to share their content. And Facebook might post updates, but they don't. you don't go there for what Facebook is saying. And platforms receive special legal protections. So I can't go on Facebook and slander people and libel and post illegal content or offensive content on Facebook and get them in trouble because if that was possible Facebook wouldn't exist makes sense publishers like New York Times or any sort of news publication are actually extremely liable for what they publish they can be sued for libel slander whatever if if they someone thinks they're lying they can be held liable fiscally responsible for what is on their platform. And the issue is that these websites, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, they are platforms, but they are using the otherwise objectionable while constitutionally protected section of CDA 230 to moderate political views. And this is stepping from platform into publisher territory. Why should they get protection from who they ban for, based on their opinion when they aren't allowing everyone to be there equally and they are starting to dip into publisher territory? That's the issue here. So Trump actually issued an executive order asking the FCC to clarify what otherwise objectionable means. He also did some other stuff saying like federal agencies can't advertise on platforms that aren't being fair, basically. And there's a lot of actually business implications here. For example, Alex Jones was 
banned from all platforms in a coordinated effort, basically. They'll ban him on the same day. It's pretty obvious. And they caused him extreme economic harm. I'm pretty sure you look at his monthly income and there's a significant dip during that month where he was banned. And because of Section CDA 230 protections, he can't sue any of those companies. But if they stop receiving platform protections because they are acting as publishers by banning him, he can sue them for tons of money. I'm sure millions of dollars, which is good. If they're banning people and ruining businesses over political views, people should be allowed to sue for damages. It's just common sense. If I damage your business by lying, you can sue me. If you damage mine, I can sue you. Why are big tech companies damaging businesses for opinion literally impervious to being sued? Because civilly, generally, I can sue you for anything I want. You can sue me for anything you want. And generally, the more litigious cases get thrown out by judges pretty quickly. But if Alex Jones wanted to sue Facebook, he literally could not. It is literally illegal for Alex Jones to sue said companies. He would take it to a court, and they would say, I'm not going to hear this. Goodbye. Because it is illegal for him to sue them. So it really gives you an idea of how extreme the protections for these social media companies are. And I'm glad that... Trump has is has asked the FCC to more clearly define what otherwise objectionable means. Because first, the big one, social media, it's going to affect. But then it's going to start affecting people like Cloudflare and domain registrars who refuse to do business based on the ideological grounds, which is great because they're going to have to do business with people. If someone's not doing the law, they're going to have to do do business with them because they're not just a business providing services. They are a business providing infra- infrastructure services. Can you imagine if the your power company said, uh, sorry, you're black. We're not going to give you power. Uh, you're lesbian. Sorry, no water. Ooh, you're trans. Yeah, we're not, we're not picking up your garbage permanently can you imagine the uproar there would be the only difference here is that it's political speech and instead of physical utilities it's digital ones these are digital monopolies to some degree so they should be required to provide services to people who aren't breaking the law anyways if you guys like this episode please subscribe donate bitcoin if you can and have a good day Thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to my mailing list and receive new episodes directly in your email inbox. Be sure to spread on social media to share the message and have a good one.